Welcome to this week's message from Rabbi Kevin Solomon, Senior Rabbi of Congregation Beth Hillel in Roswell, Georgia. Beth Hillel is one of the largest Messianic Jewish synagogues in the world and provides a place where Jewish people can find the Messiah, Yeshua, Jesus in Hebrew, and retain their Jewishness. It's also where Gentiles worship and embrace the roots of the faith in drawing closer to God. Click the link in the description to support this ministry or to view our YouTube channel. Let's join Rabbi Kevin now as he shares this word from Scripture. I've got a message for you today that I think is going to minister to you and speak to you, although I'll tell you it has some complexity to it. This is more of a teaching message than a preaching message. I shared, it's funny, my kids gave me a little grief, speaking of twins, my twins gave me a little grief this week because I told them, I said, yeah, this message this coming Shabbat, it's a little bit different than my normal message. And they said, Dad, you say that like every three or four weeks. You say it's a different, different kind of message. And I'm like, well, I guess, I guess then that maybe that doesn't make it very different. I don't know either that or I'm just different all the time. I don't, I don't, I don't know exactly. But in any case, it's a little bit of a different message. And, uh, and, you, and I want you to follow me because I heard, and, and the genesis of it, I'll tell you, uh, and I mentioned it in my congregational email this week, the genesis of the message was, uh, a, a, a saying uh, by one of the ancient Jewish sages. And this saying, which I'll, I'll share with you a little bit later, wow, it really got me to thinking because it, uh, it, it was a quote that I really rung true to me and really ministered to me very greatly. And then I, I started digging into the scriptures relative to putting this quote uh, into the context of the Word of God. And then even more stood out to me. But it really builds on each other. So follow along with me, uh, if you will. Go ahead and get your, your beverage or go ahead and kick the seat up if you're at home, whatever you are. Get relaxed. We're going to have some fun in the Word of God. We're going to study. We're going to really go into a teaching here. So get that, get that uh, headset on and get ready to receive what the Lord has for you. Because, wow, it really ministered to me. Uh, it really spoke to me. When we hear something from the Word of God, when we hear something from the Word of God, we should listen and learn from it. Amen? Amen. Amen. That's right. Early in the book of Hebrews, we're going to spend a little bit of time in the book of Hebrews, also known as the book as the book of Yehudim Meshachim, the book of Messianic Jews. That's what he was referring to. The book of Hebrews we see the author do something that would have been very familiar to the audience of his day as he was writing uh, this, these, these words here. But we might not understand why he does what he does. We might not understand exactly why so much is lost, if you will, in translation and lost in context. And, uh, and, and what's interesting here, as we examine what is written in Hebrews especially three and four, I'll get to it in a minute, uh, is the technique 
that is used here in the writing of this because it reveals something. It reveals an important principle. And then, boom, the whole principle is, is further elucidated as we, as we continue in Hebrews. But I want you to, let's look at some scriptures. Let's look at some scriptures together. And, and as we look at these scriptures, I want you to do two things at the same time. Number one, I want you to listen to and receive what the writer of Hebrews is trying to tell us. But also at the same time, I want you to notice the, the technique he's using to communicate it with us. Almost, if you will, a literary technique of, of of how he shares it with us and something that he does uh, that will become very evidently clear. Okay, so the writer uh, that, uh, in Hebrews chapter 3, we're going to start in verse 7 if you'd like to get ahead, but the writer's trying to convey the fact that we should be listening to God and to stay malleable. Listen to God, stay malleable, okay? That, that's the message that, that, the, that the author's trying to convey to us. So check this out as... As the writer of Hebrews is going to be quoting in these passages from Psalm chapter 95. You know, so much of the New Covenant is quoting the, the Tanakh, the Old Covenant. So much in the New Covenant quotes the Old. And in fact, we see it often here in the book of Hebrews. Okay, so with all that said, Hebrews chapter 3, starting in verse 7, let's take a look at this. It says, Therefore, just as the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness. Very interesting. Okay. So what's the message here? The message here and the, and the, the point piece to those words that the, that the writer of Hebrews is trying to convey to us is today... If you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. So let's continue in the book of Hebrews chapter 3, and that's a quote from Psalm 95. Let's continue in the book of Hebrews chapter 3, just a few verses later, just a few verses later, verse 15, where it says this, and it is said today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. Okay. Hmm, all right. All right. I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm with you. We just heard that in verse 7 and 8. We get it. We get it, but, but I'm with you. Okay, I'm with you. I heard it. We get it. It's and then just a few verses later, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 7. What do we read? Hebrews 4, 7, a few verses later. Again, God appoints a certain day today, saying through David after so long a time, just as it has been said before, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. It's so interesting because... First of all, of course, his teaching is reminding people of the story from the Torah where most of the Jewish people did not obey the Lord and were forced to wander in the desert for 40 years. That's the rebellion he's talking about. 
when our people were not obedient to the Lord, hardened our hearts, and had to wander in the desert for 40 years. He's explaining in the book of Hebrews and in these passages in context that it's the same with Messiah. He's comparing and contrasting the story of the Exodus and the fact that when our people were on the precipice of going into the promised land, that no, we didn't get to go into the promised land. Why? Because we did not listen to the words of the Lord and we hardened our hearts. And so he's saying much in the same way today as Messiah, Yeshua, is here and and has come, if you will, is that we also have to listen to the word of the Lord and not harden our hearts towards what he says. This is what he is teaching us. He is comparing and contrasting and saying the principle is the same, old and new, and this very much applies to Messiah, Yeshua, even today. And some of you need to hear that important word. And then what does he say? But, but he also tells us and teaches us, as we're reading the book of Hebrews, that some can, some do harden their hearts, but others can and do soften their hearts and follow the Lord. But if one does harden his heart, if you do harden your heart and don't and are not open to Messiah Yeshua and his teachings and his words, then he also compares and contrasts this to the story of the Exodus that is described in Psalm 95 by King David. And and so we read him quoting Psalm 95 again in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 11, where it says, "If, if they'd harden their hearts, they shall not enter my rest. And then in Hebrews 4, verse 3, he says, they shall never enter my rest. And in case you missed it, in Hebrews 4, verse 5, he yet again says, they shall never enter my rest. He's teaching us that we need to enter into that rest By trusting in God and not hardening our hearts. Trust in God, don't harden your hearts. Now, it's very interesting because the point is good and valid and powerful and meaningful and rich. But it's interesting, and I have to say, on the surface, to us with our modern sensibilities, it's a little bit odd, for the writer of Hebrews to reference the identical portions of scripture time after time after time to get his point across. He says the exact, he quotes the exact same portion of scripture time after time after time, multiple portions of it in just a small part of his writing and teaching. Surely there are other portions that can communicate this theme as well. Why is he going back to the same verse from Psalm 95 over and over and over again and a different part over and over and over again? It's so interesting to see even not just what he's saying, but the technique he's using to say it because there's something deep here that we're going to get into. Because within this, we see something very interesting that can help us in our own lives as we study the Word of God. Okay, but before we fully get into it, I want to back up a little bit and give you some 
uh, context and some understanding that will help you understand why he's doing what he's doing and really even more of the depth of the meaning of what he's teaching us. Because to understand the words of Yeshua, to truly, really deeply understand the words of Yeshua and his Talmudim, his disciples, you have to understand a little bit about Judaism of that day. Many traditions and explanations of how to live out the Torah were being formed and codified during that time. And from the time the Jewish people were exiled, let's call it towards the end of the Tanakh, okay? From that time when they were exiled and, and then eventually returned, uh, and during this time, the exile and then the return, there, there came a growing set of guidelines which became rules within Judaism, and they were eventually written down. But they really weren't written down until starting with around the second century. And after extensive extensions, they became what we know as the Talmud, of course. We know this. This is part of, of, uh, of Judaism that is known well. These are commentaries on the Torah, commentaries on the Scripture. They are not Scripture. They are commentaries, much like you might have other commentaries. And within the commentaries, there are some things that are right, some things that are wrong. Much like any commentary that you might have on the Scripture, there are going to be things. Even within the Talmud, oftentimes, there are disagreeing opinions as to what certain portions of Scripture mean. But some of these traditions were um, very much alive and well in the time of Yeshua. And many of them were well and good. Many of these traditions, things that came from, from our sages' understanding of the Scripture, were well and good. Uh, and Yeshua himself participated in. However, Yeshua also came against a number of the traditions that were contrary to Scripture. Because whenever man gets involved, right? I have my opinion, you have your opinion, you have your well, you have many opinions because there's a lot of people watching, okay? Okay, but the point is, is that everybody's got an opinion. And who's to say whose opinion is right and wrong? I know that this one is right. This one's right, period, end of sentence. The others may be right, and if they are, that's great. I mean, and we're gonna, we're gonna, embrace, we're gonna embrace what is not contrary to this. But anything that's contrary to this, us and Yeshua himself, if you read the Brachadashah, rejected strongly. Because man has a, a, a gazillion opinions. You know, it was once said that uh, they rescued two Jewish people from a deserted island and they had built three synagogues. You know, how does that work? I don't know. It's only because, well, I'm going to go here. Well, I want to go here. And then they changed their mind. I don't know how that happened. But in any case, one of the most prominent Jewish leaders from just before the time of Yeshua, this is just before, so most of his life was intertestamental, okay, was Hillel the Elder. Anybody who knows anything about traditional Judaism is very familiar with Hillel. From him came the house of Hillel, of course, and he's thought, he's thought to have lived primarily in the, the century before Yeshua, uh, said to have died around the year 10, as in like 10, <laughs> okay, that's when he uh, passed away. Uh, supposedly, he was at the age, ripe old age of 120. 
And so he was a contemporary of King Herod and lived up until the time Yeshua was a kid, Hillel the elder. And his influence in Judaism was great and lasts uh, even until today. He has sayings that are well-known to most people even today. There's some sayings that are used in common vernacular that originated with Hillel. Uh, I'm talking about not even in, uh, amongst Jewish people. Um, uh, Gentile Americans also would be that they wouldn't know that it came from him, but, but some of his sayings are well known across the world. He, and he was a Pharisee, and, and, uh, and it, he was much in the same vein and style of, of thinking about the Word of God as Yeshua. Okay, uh, as we know, that was a little more of his angle, if you will, although, of course, he came against traditions that were against the, the scriptures. But nonetheless, this was his background. Now, you have to understand that in Hallel and Yeshua's day, okay, because they were alive at the same time, people did not have easy access to the Bible. It's interesting because if you went to somebody's house back in, the, in Israel in those days, you wouldn't have seen a Bible on the shelf and them saying, oh, let's go to Psalm 42. Okay, what does that say? You just wouldn't have seen it. And the scrolls, you know, we have the, the, the Torah scrolls that are in the ark, which you saw a little bit earlier, which are amazing and beautiful. Scroll, scrolls were around. We know the Dead Sea Scrolls were from this time also, were from the time of Yeshua, the Dead Sea Scrolls. That was about the era that they were written in. Uh, but even the scrolls were rare, and very expensive and usually held only in houses of worship and such and, and study. And even devout disciples did not have ready access to the scrolls often. So how did people learn the word of God? See, this is all going to come into play and you're, it's all going to make sense here. How did people learn the word of God? It was often through repetition and memorization repetition and memorization, repetition and, exactly, memorization. Good, you memorized that. Uh, it's interesting because if you study the Brit Hadashah, you'll see something that's very interesting that maybe you haven't caught before, haven't thought about it even really. You'll notice that we see Yeshua, we hear about his birth and growing up some, and, and him at the age of 12 in the temple, of course, debating with some of the uh, some of the religious leaders. But then there's basically nothing else about his life until he begins his ministry at the age of 30. We see this in the Word of God. Now, there are two different thoughts here. First, the age of 30 is the traditional time in Judaism of the day when one was considered to go, was, when one was considered to be ready to go full bore into one's ministerial calling. Okay, that was a very traditionally Jewish thing at the age of 30. But secondly... Many experts believe that these intervening years, 12 to 30, is when Yeshua would have been studying Torah. It's when he would have been studying Tanakh. And how exactly would he have studied it? Repetition and memorization. Repetition and memorization. Repetition and memorization. They didn't have the book. They certainly didn't have a smartphone, okay, <laughs> where you could look up really quick, you know, Hebrews 3, okay, somebody's zipping through on their smartphone. They didn't have any of this stuff, so, but repetition and memorization. Some Jewish young people would have memorized much of the entire Tanakh, the entire Old Covenant. A number of Jewish young people, and that takes a long time, it's years to do this, but man, with constant repetition and memorization, Many of them would have memorized the entire Bible, 
of the time, which of course was just the Old Covenant. This is why very often, if you take a look at the words of Yeshua in the Brich Hadashah, oftentimes when Yeshua is speaking, Yeshua will reference a passage. He'll, he will start a passage and everybody will know what he's referring to. Why? Because they know the whole story. And so it was a common Jewish uh, teaching methodology of the day to merely just to give a verse or so from a particular portion because everybody understood the whole message that you were communicating by just saying part of the verse or part of the story. And this is oftentimes what Yeshua does, but this can only be done effectively if there is a lot of repetition and memorization, if they've memorized a great deal. Repetition, 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 but repetition not to become rote. Not at all. No, it can't become rote. In fact, he, in Hebrews, this is so interesting, and here we're going to see it start to connect. In Hebrews, we read exactly after what we read a little bit earlier, in Hebrews 3 and 4, something that's one of the more quoted portions of Scripture. Uh, it's a portion that you've probably heard before if you've been in the body of Messiah for a while and have been uh, going to a house of worship. But to fully understand it, you have to have really noticed this pattern. What was Hebrews talking about? Let's kind of go back to it. Let's swing back and then we're going to we're going to make the point that this elder said that just really ministered to me, and, and I hope it blesses you. Okay, recall that in Hebrews, what were we talking about? We were talking about entering God's rest and not hardening your heart. Entering God's rest and not hardening your heart. That's what we heard over and over again in Hebrews 3 and in Hebrews 4. Now let's pick it up exactly right after that that's part of the continuous thought that we read about. We're going to go to Hebrews 4, verse 11, and listen to this verse now, and it's going to give you more context considering what we've said, but there's even more to come. Verse 11 says this of Hebrews chapter 4, talking about entering that rest. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one may fall through the same pattern of disobedience. For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing right through to a separation of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart." No creature is hidden from him, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. Ooh, boy. Are you catching this? Are you following me with this? Wow. So it is in this context, after talking over and over and over about how Psalm 95 and the Jewish people's wanderings in the desert relates to today, and the importance of following Messiah, then he says, for the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword piercing to judge the thought and the intentions of the heart. Remember what the Jewish people did. They didn't listen to the word of God and their heart was hardened. He said, listen to the word of God so your heart is not hardened. And then he comes in with the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword discerning the heart. 
Now, this teaching from the Word brings out a spiritual, a powerful spiritual principle here that was taught by Hillel the elder. I talked about who Hillel was. Yeshua and the writers of the Brit Hadashah positively would have been very familiar with the teachings of Hillel, who died when Yeshua was a kid. His influence on the Judaism of Yeshua's day can't be overstated. And Hillel the elder understood the importance of study of the word of God. And this brings me to a quote that I heard from Hillel the elder, which was from the, the Talmud, Tractate 9, Chagigah 9b, that really ministered to me. And this quote is consistent with what I've learned from the word of God. But it's not necessarily an easy word to hear, but wow, I, if you think about it and you get it, I, I'm telling you, it's straight up beautiful. It really is. Get ready. Get ready. And, and wow, when I, when I listened to this, it was like, wow, okay, that's for me. Hillel the Elder said this, one who repeats his lesson 100 times is not like the one who repeats it 101. Man, I think that's amazing. <laughs> I think that's amazing. So deep, so convicting. My friends, each time, each time we read and study the Word of God, each time we read it, no matter how many times we've read it, it should change us some. It should change us some. We should not be quite the same as we were before we read it. And if that's true, imagine what happens if we read it often, right? If we read it often, and each time we read it, we're different. We should be different. There should be something different inside of us. Every time we read from this, then imagine if we read it often. Wow, then we're going to be really different. So true, so true. We're not at all the same. So now, following me on this now, the writer of Hebrews says, quoting the Tanakh, Today, if you hear God's voice, do not harden your heart. Today, if you hear God's voice, do not harden your heart. Today, if you hear God's voice, do not harden your heart. Then he adds, for the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword and will judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Wow, that's powerful to me. That's powerful to me. He repeated it over and over again because it's living. It's living. The word of God is living. It's repeated over and over Perhaps eventually something sinks in. <laughs> Perhaps you receive a new insight. I'll say this. I've read about the word of God being living and judging the intentions of the heart, being a two-edged sword. I've read that 
a hundred times easy. But I never understood it in relation to focusing on the word to prevent me from being rebellious and having to wander in the desert before. Much less had I seen the pattern of repeating the word of God as a way to unlock its power in this way. I hadn't seen it. Maybe until the 101st time I read it, Ines, you know? (laughs) When you're a kid, right, hopefully as you grow physically, hopefully you also grow in other ways, emotionally and spiritually. Hopefully you kind of grow in many different ways. But when you're disciplined as a child, you might, you might be angry and resent your parents for it. It's a lot of kids. <laughs> a lot of kids, when they're disciplined, might be angry and resent your parents for it. Then, perhaps later on, you simply accept it and obey. Okay. Then, as you age, perhaps you better understand it. And then, finally, as you mature, you're grateful and you love your parents for it. Remember that through this journey, the action did not change. Only your perspective on it changed. And of course, the final step is that you lovingly discipline your children in the exact same way. (laughs) My friends, don't be duped into thinking that you already have all of the meat from a biblical passage. I can assure you, you probably do not. Sometimes I'll be at a conference or some other event, and somebody comes up to me and they say, Rabbi, I want to tell you, I I just have issues with my rabbi, or I have issues with my pastor. And I'm saying, oh, what's going on? Then they go on to, to say that their leader isn't going deep enough in their teachings. They're just not deep enough for me. I hear this sometimes. People complain about their leaders. They're just not deep enough for me. I've found that almost always, not always, but almost always, majority, majority of the time when I hear that, more than 50% when I hear that, there is a pride issue with the person telling me this. I'll ask the person, oh, wait, 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 let me ask you a question. Does your pastor or does your rabbi give scripture and teach from the word of God? That's my key question that I'll ask. Does your rabbi or pastor, do they teach from the word of God? Do they, do they give you, do they feed you scripture and all? And if the person says yes, then almost always the issue is with the person. Because you ain't got all the meat off that. There's more meat to be had, my friends. And oftentimes that, that even reveals the fact even more so that the person needs to get some simpler meat. How many times have you heard the story of David and Goliath? How many times have you heard the story of Daniel and the lion's den? How many times have you heard the story of Noah and the ark? How many times have you heard the story of Yeshua and him on the tree of sacrifice? How many times? Plenty? Good! Read it again! Read it again! 
Because one who repeats his lesson 100 times is not like the one who repeats it 101. The more you repeat it, the more you remember it, and the more you remember it, the more life-changing it becomes, and you do it. Just like what was said in Psalm 95, just like what was said in Hebrews chapter 3 and Hebrews chapter 4. Let's conclude with the story that God gave to Joshua. God was speaking to Joshua, and this is so interesting because this brings it full circle, everybody. This is, because the whole story, and remember Hebrews 3 and 4, was referencing Psalm 95, which was talking about the children of Israel during the Exodus when they came out of Egypt and they heard God's voice. They heard God's voice but wouldn't listen to it. Their hearts were hardened in the rebellion and they had to wander in the desert for 40 years. That was what everything was being spoken of here, right? The moment, we're gonna go to Joshua 1. And this is the very moment right after the children of Israel had hardened their hearts and not listened to the voice of the Lord and had wandered in the desert for 40 years. And so at that moment, <laughs> when they're there and they finally come out of their 40 years of wandering and they're entering into the promised land, what does God tell Joshua? What does God tell Joshua after we know what happened and why it happened? What does God tell Joshua? This is beautiful full circle stuff right here, my friends. Joshua 1 verse 8 says this. This is God speaking to Joshua. This book of the Torah, this book of the law, should not depart from your mouth. You are to meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. For then you will make your ways prosperous and then you will be successful. <laughs> oh, wow. Hallel was right. Hallel was right. Meditate on the word of God day and night. Night and day. Over and over and over again. Don't become weary of it, beloved. Follow what it says. Then you will make your ways prosperous and you will be successful. Because no matter how many times you've read it, no matter how many times you've read it, if your heart is not hardened the next time you read it, you will not be like you were before. The title of my message is, Read It Again. Let's bow our heads. Lord, I just want to ask a, a prayer for anybody who may be watching or listening who has become weary of getting into the Word of God. It feels a little bit like, well, I've heard it all. I've heard the messages. Maybe you've read through the Bible. Maybe you've, maybe you've read through the Bible five times. Maybe you've heard the stories. Maybe you've heard the scriptures. And you're beginning to get a little uh, calloused of it. This message is for you. Or maybe if you just haven't been putting the time in to get into the Word. Because it hasn't drawn you. To, you haven't been drawn to it. Well, man, this message is for you. Don't harden your heart. Don't harden your heart. Oh, like our people did in the desert. You know what happens. You harden your heart, you're going to be wandering for 40 years. Don't do it. 
Now embrace the word of God. Soften your heart. Listen to the very words of God. You read it 100, that's okay. You're going to be changed if you read it 101. If you open it with a soft heart and you say, God, show me what you have for me. Show me something in this portion of scripture, even though I've read it a gazillion times. Woo. Oh, I pray that ministers to some of you who are watching and listening. I believe it will. It's powerful. You'll be changed. The word of God can change you. Be different. Read it 101. Lord, please touch each and every person who has not been in the word like they need to be. God, I pray that the word, it's living. And it's sharper than a two-edged sword. And it will pierce to the heart, to the thoughts and the heart of man. It will, in other words, it will reveal the truth of what's in our heart. And it will reveal if our heart is hardened or not. So Lord, let us embrace your word so that our hearts are softened and that we follow it and we don't have to go through the desert for 40 years. Man, there's a lot to this. Thank you, God, for this. Let us hear your word and be doers of it, not just hearers. Mm. If you're watching or listening and you've never said a prayer to receive Yeshua into your heart, I want you to say this prayer after me and in doing so, the Lord will come into your heart, Yeshua who made an atonement for us as a sacrifice will come into your heart and you'll be changed. Say, dear God, I humbly come before you. I accept Yeshua into my heart. I believe he's risen again, sitting at your right hand. Please forgive me of my sins. I'm sorry. I'll live the rest of my days for you. Thank you, God. In Yeshua's name. If you said that prayer, it's the greatest decision you ever made. Please send us an email. We want to celebrate with you. Say, I've just made a decision to follow Yeshua. We'll send you some materials just to encourage you in your walk. How special that is, Jewish or non-Jewish alike. He came for Jew and Gentile. Just the same. Thank you, Lord, for this service. Thank you for a wonderful Shabbat. Thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, that we're going to read it again. We're going to read it again. And when we read it again, Lord, I pray that anybody who's reading the word, who's in the daily work, I pray that you give them some new manna. Lord, that manna comes each day. That manna comes each day. Lord, bring that new manna, that new manna in people's lives. Thank you, Lord, for this. Thank you, Lord, for your word that teaches us. We bless you for these things and thank you for them all. B'Shem Yeshua, in the name of our Messiah Yeshua, we pray. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message from Rabbi Kevin. Please like, subscribe, and share this link with a friend. We would be grateful to receive your tax-deductible gift to further the good news of Messiah Yeshua. To make a contribution, please click on the PayPal link in the description. Also, to view our regular services, click the link in the description for our YouTube channel. If you would like more information about Yeshua the Messiah or how you can become part of our Bethlehem family, please visit our website at www.bethhalel.org. That's B-E-T-H-H-A-L-L-E-L dot O-R-G. Or call 770-641-3000. If you are in the metro Atlanta area, please visit us for an Arab Shabbat service, Friday nights at 8 o'clock 
or Shabbat services Saturday mornings at 11. God bless and shalom. Lie, 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 lie.